What's happened to the goatish Stu? Why is it gone? <laughs> it, a change of look for, for Sati. Well, so you've just gone for the uh, the old bugger grips instead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see that's what did, you, what did you say? Mutton something. Mutton chops, I said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought, well, I'll, I'll go for a different look when I'm quarantined and no one else can see me, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it looks like you're going to be a butcher, really, I think. <laughs> Fingerless <laughs> gloves on. Yeah, what's the, what's the name of the uh, what's the name of the guy from the League of Gentlemen? Hillary. Oh, <laughs> Hillary, Br- Hillary Hil- Briss. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any of it in? <laughs> Special stuff. Special stuff. That's it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Matt Guy here. Hope everybody's keeping well this evening. Stu here, hello. I'm just going to go by Stu now. We don't need second names. Not anymore. We're all friends now. Yeah, everyone's in the spot. How are we doing this this fine evening, gentlemen? We all good? Good, mate. Good, mate. It's um, Temperature's dipped a little bit. It's been snowing in the last week or so, so we've kind of locked in uh, more so than usual. Landlocked inside because we love. I live on a... Um, like a canal hill and there's always cars that get stuck on the bottom of the hill and I always look out there like some kind of mad king on the throne saying, shall I push the cars up the hill? No, I won't. And just let them, <laughs> let them stay there. <laughs> you, make it, you make it sound like you, you live at the top of Pe- Peppa Pig's house. <laughs> the top of a Not canal hill. <laughs> Honestly though, like cars proper get, proper get stuck on the bottom, so... That's what you it's get in, for buying rear-wheel drive BMWs, though. Isn't that bus in Halifax today? It's shocking. The, I um, heard about this. Yeah, that, that's horrific. That is. Yeah, I mean, that could easily have toppled over. It's um, like nothing scares me more than being stuck in a car on ice. It just sounds fucking terrible. I don't know what it is. Well, we we know we used to do the coal um, over Albury. We were in. Is <laughs> always going to giggle? Um, it does. <laughs> used to do the coal. <laughs> <laughs> It was proper odd, like them coal sacks, like eight stone each, and you're chucking them over your back, and you, when you're doing like twenty a drop as well. And I was proper, oh well, I say proper buff because I wasn't. I was just fitter than I am now. <laughs> but we did that in one of the one of the days. It did ice over like that, and we were going sideways in a coal truck down a hill in Albury. And it was, I mean, but of course these trucks are like from the sixties. They had no seat belts either, and legally yeah. that's fine. So we thought, oh well, whatever so how, happens, how did, happens. How did the end of the industrial age affect your <laughs> work prospects? <too? laughs> if I, if, if it, I could do it again, I would go back in an instant because it was a great laugh. But it's um, it's hard work. I'm sure it is, mate. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it. <clears throat> so we'll we'll get on to the uh, the meat of the podcast. I think we'll start off with a bit of news. Uh, at time of recording, we're actually recording on the 14th of January. That is the day that the Scott Pilgrim versus The World has finally been released. We've been waiting a decade for this game. 
and it's back in our hearts and on our PlayStations or Switches, whatever you've got. Make sure you get hold of it. It's a wonderful game. There's other sort of film come game news. Uh, We've been told that an open world Star Wars game is on its way and we're also getting a new Indiana Jones game. And I think of all of them, like Indiana Jones, I'm really quite excited for. We've seen Star Wars and we know what to expect from open world games. But I remember Indiana Jones, I think there was one on the NES way, way back. And it was terrible. So I think when you look at stuff like how they've bought out Tomb Raider and everything like that in the last sort of 10 years or so, Indiana Jones, there's like some real scope there to do some amazing things. I'd like it. I'd like to see it be more of a adventure slash puzzler than a straight up action game. I know they'll probably mm. go like down the Uncharted route with it, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. I just hope it's not like a. Uh, we've seen like really rushed together games like put you know like this to make the most of a licensing and they'll just throw any old shit out just because it's got a, a cover that people will recognize and people will buy it. So I just hope that they don't like Assassin's Creed games. I suppose it's the other way, actually Assassin's Creed games are great film. Not so great. I hope this is the other mm. way. I hope it works the other way around the star Wars one really excites me though, to be fair, an open world star Wars game. Again, I'd want it to be more kind of like Skyrim, like really ex- you know, with the chance to explore than, like Jedi Fallen Order was very, you will explore, but you do it on our terms when we want you to do it. And uh, mm. you, you'd be punished if you do it otherwise. Yeah, I think the, um, I mean, they, they could just just rip off Tomb Raider, which is a rip off mm. of Uncharted, which is a rip off of Tomb Raider. So it's <laughs> it's just the uh, snake eating its own tail, ain't it? But remember about two months ago when we talked about on the air where um, Matt was getting all jealous about us playing Spider Man and Xbox not having it. And yeah. just the um, the innocence that Andy doesn't realise that this Indiana Jones games is Xbox exclusive. <laughs> oh, is it really? Oh, I really? <laughs> it's um, oh, well, quite, quite disappointed now. Jump on that S train, get one, two hundred and fifty ah, quid. But it, well, it's it's made by Bethesda, who are now owned by Microsoft, so there's no deal in place for that game. It's new, so it could oh, okay. be, it could not be. No one knows yet, but it wouldn't. They haven't got a game like that, have they? So it wouldn't surprise me if hmm. to have a, a game like Indiana Jones just to have Indiana Jones. If it hmm. isn't a Harrison Ford game scan face slash voice acting, are you interested? No, not, not even slightly. It's got to be Ford or nobody. I, I agree. I agree personally. Yeah, because obviously they can do as much as they want. You know, it's not like he's gonna. It's not gonna have to. He's gonna have to motion capture the game. But they need his likeness and they need his voice for legitimacy, surely. Well, they, they, said they said it's in that universe, so I don't think it's even remotely that it's. I don't think he's got a choice to veto this one either. So mm-hmm. they'll just they won't use his voice because he's old and knackered. But they can just they can get Troy Baker to do an impression and it'll be fine. Mm. But his like his likeness easily they can fix that because I presume that they own his likeness and not him. Yeah, because they do. At least, at least it's that character. Say, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, especially with Star Wars yeah. and all that stuff that he can't have say over everything. And they they brought him back to do things he didn't want to do. So <laughs> who knows? But yeah, you unless you, unless you're going young Indiana, Indiana Jones, which wasn't terrible, but it's not that is it? So, mm. well, we don't think so. Well, hopefully not. Anyway, 
In other news, it's been rumoured that Jodie Whittaker has uh, said that she no longer wants to be the Doctor after this latest season. Stu, I know that you're a Whovian, much like myself. Thoughts on Jodie and her run? I liked her. She's never been. She's never been a problem. But that show, some of the, uh, mm. some, as always, some of the writing's been a bit dodgy, and some have just been downright shit. But um, on the other, t- on the other side of it, some of it has been really good. And I did enjoy the New Year special. I know you didn't like it as much, but I really liked that the kind of new direction they were kind of hinting at with a bit more comedy in it. And it's a shame, really. She's had a decent run, and she, if, if this is true, and she wants to leave at three series, like a lot of them then mm. so be it. I mean, she's not going to be remembered as the worst one. She'll always be the first non-white English <laughs> doctor. So mm. it is what it, what it is. But yeah, she'll be uh, she'll be fondly remembered if she does leave. Yeah, I'm a big fan of her work, like in general and on the show. I think Chibnall as the showrunner has been quite hit and miss, if I'm perfectly honest. Where do we go next? I know we've both sort of petitioned for uh, Raul Coley early doors. It's the only choice. I mean, I've been saying about Raul Coley for years, even before yeah. she before she got the job. I said well, I'll give it to Raul, and no one knew who he was then, um, mm. apart from extreme nerdists like us who watched Eye Zombie. Have you watched Eye Zombie, Matt? Uh, I've watched it through, Sam. So she's watched all of it, and I've been in the room for like two thirds of it. Yeah, so you know who he is. Yeah, I know who he is, yeah. He's mm. a very funny character in that, to be fair. Quite likeable in it. Yeah, and if you you, yeah. and you follow him on Twitter, that is him. That is his personality, so mm. he'd be perfect for me. Isn't mm. Ayawadi heavily linked to be the Doctor, or is that like a, a faux news, fake news? He's been linked a few times previously, but never sort of... Um... A seemingly never got close to it. I'm a big fan of Richard A. Awardy, but I'm not sure if he's no, that it's too, not, it, too it's, comedic. To to quote an IT crowd reference, it's not for you, Jen. But no, it's it's really not it's really not for him. Um it is too comedic, but not he he's he's very he's dry humour and everything. He's he's great in it in like a well, I want to say in a in a non fictional setting, because he does travel man and, and like eight out of ten cats does countdown and all those kind of things. I just I just can't see it. I really just can't see it. He's yeah, his humour isn't playful, and I think the Doctor needs to have a more playful outlook. Mm. Like I said, I am a massive fan of everything else he does. I just don't see him in that. Well, one of the other names that was linked was Himesh Patel. I do like him, and Daniel Kaluuya, who is just another guy I really like. So early. Early shouts, like I am quite excited to see what's going to happen next, and like th- there's a world of possibility, especially with the last season opening the doors. So I'm I'm excited to see where where we're going to be going with this one. After all of the Disney goodness that we were told about, there's been more news coming out. Apparently, Ben Affleck is going to be directing a series. I don't know if it's a series or a single film, but it's based on a series of books called The Keeper of the Lost Cities. It's a young adult series in the same vein as Harry Potter and the His Dark Materials. Matt, are you a fan of um, Batfleck and his directorial work? I, I am, to be fair. I think he's an intelligent director, and I think he... He, he, he treads that fine line between having control over what the final product is that he wants to put out, but also allowing his the actors under his care and due diligence to kind of roll and, and put their own stamp on things. I think he has like a good attention to detail. Argo showed that 
Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and I, I just think that if they can, if, if they avoid the um, CGI clusterfuck with it and, and allow a bit of a storytelling aspect to be there as opposed to a mm. visual spectacle, then I think it can be a really, really good project. If it goes down the route of being a triple um, A blockbuster style feel, I may not feel yeah. he'll be as suited for it. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think his best work tends to have a personal feel to it. Mm. I think Argo, um, Gone Baby Gone, you know, they felt like they were small, intimate stories, maybe on a bigger scale. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also the tone, I think he was very good, uh, very good job with the tone. Um, obviously, he starred in the tone as well as directed it. But I thought that was a, a marvellous film. He even pulled a good performance out of fucking Jeremy Renner for crying out loud. <laughs> like he knows what he's doing to get the best out of people. I, I, I would actually give this a chance. I, I know nothing of the series, so looking forward to seeing where that goes. Uh, speaking of Batfleck, he's co-star from Justice League, Gal Gadot. She's confirmed to be returning for Wonder Woman 3, as is Patty Jenkins. And also returning, Chris Evans is reportedly not yet done with Captain America. He won't be coming back as a sort of full-time cap. It'll be more of a um, a supporting cast. Obviously, in the comic books, they've done this before where he's not been the main focal point and you've had um, <clears throat> the Falcons gone on to wear the shield or Bucky. So again, there's there's plenty of backstory there that they can run with. And finally, we get an idea of what the Amazon Studios take on Lord of the Rings is going to be. They've released their official synopsis. Apparently, it will be set during the fabled Second Age of Middle-Earth's history, set thousands of years before the events of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. It will take viewers back to an era which has great powers, uh, in which great powers were forged, kingdom rose to glory and fell to ruin. Unlikely heroes were tested, hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover all the world in darkness. I mean, that's almost a, a fucking Tolkien-style uh, setup <laughs> just for a synopsis. I've never read any Tolkien, so I've got to be honest, I don't particularly know anything yeah, about the Second Age or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So are you excited about this new series that's coming out? I am. I, I think there's so much more that that world can give. I know, Stu, you're more. I can't of, fucking um... wait. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're bigger. You're, you're more into this world than I am. But I think at the moment there's so much pressure on companies like Amazon and Netflix and and that to just pump out continuously excellent content that I think we're just in a, an age now where we're just absolutely spoilt for choice and companies are just blasting out belter after belter on things that we enjoy. So. More, the more the merrier, I say. I mean, yeah, they've definitely. they've spent over two hundred million dollars just on the rights for this series, <laughs> and wow. they've already filmed the first two back. Well, I don't know if they're finished now because of what happened, but the intention was to film season one and two back to back in New Zealand, which is was mm. absolutely fine. So you'd hope that it was already done. Um, but if it's got a five season run, like they said. And two are already in the can, then bring it on. Especially if they're going to do water stuff as well, which they never really talked about in either trilogy, really. 
it was kind of hinted at with the yeah. uh, the the ghosts and in. I'm trying to keep you spoiler free. To, <laughs> it's stuff from like the 1920s, but yeah, in the uh, in Return of the King, there was there was more water stuff in that. But if it's going to be like Lord of the Rings, Atlantis, and things that have been hinted at on the uh, Lord of the Rings forums, which I do go on, <laughs> obviously, um, <laughs> then yeah, bring it on. I mean, it's a bit. I wouldn't have called it Lord of the Rings, obviously, because unless that's going to be the the, uh, the closing thing of the whole show where. You see the the rings mm. forged. That'd be a cool way to end it. But if they, but you got the Middle Earth games, which are canon anyway. So it could have been called Middle Earth. I don't know stories from the past or <laughs> a better name than that. But you know what I mean. So yeah. I, I know why they're doing it, calling it Lord of the Rings, because obviously it's box Ties office. In, it? So yeah, yeah, I'll, I can't wait. It's going to be incredible. I'll be interested. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of the films, as, as I've already said, that they're a bit long, and I've not seen the Hobbit trilogy. But like Matt said, Amazon and Netflix and all these companies, they've been giving us their best. Like, you know, they haven't scrimped on giving us great stories. So as long as there's a good enough story there, I'll give it a chance, and it might be something that does get me into that world, maybe. Yeah, I mean, when you get, when you talk about that, about Netflix... Um putting out the best content and we had that thing about a, a new netflix film every every week coming from them of like top mm. proper top quality and not just indies which is just I mean, there's, there's hardly any detail to it yet so we can't really talk about it in depth but even just the the, the fact that that's a thing that's happening is just something to look yeah. forward to now yeah it's a mad world isn't it so uh let's do listeners question time Matt, have we had some tweets in from our listeners? We certainly bloody have, mate. Um, we'll start <laughs> off with Simon Gold wants to know. So it's kind of uh, linked into the, to the bit of news, really. Video game movie adaptations have a dreadful reputation. You would think it should be easy as most are action films. So why can no one seem to crack the formula? And are they all really that bad? Oh, where do you even start? <laughs> it's. I think the big problem with it is the fact that it, it, people think games means children's toys, and mm. so that's where you had with the Mario, the infamous Mario film. But then, mm. so you, it's almost like they take the license and they think, oh well, we just throw any kind of shit out, and the people who who spend them. 60 quid a year or 60 quid whenever a new game comes out, they'll come and watch this regardless of how good it is. That's how it feels, and it has done for a long time. Mm. Yeah. Andy, what do you think? I, I, I think when you look at games, especially games from the past, because we haven't had so many adaptations of modern ones, the historical games, like your Super Mario Brothers, they tend to have been... Their storylines are great, but they're very one-dimensional stories. There's no subtlety, there's no subtext. So if you just try and transpose that from your computer screen to the cinema screen, there's, there isn't that tension between the action and the script. Mm. There isn't that depth. So I think that's what's hindered it previously. I think when you look at the more modern films, which are based on, on more modern games... A modern game is like 30 hours worth of gameplay and storytelling, and they're trying to condense it into a two-hour film. Mm, true. 
So they're sort of having to jump around and miss parts out. And I think that's the problem with the modern versions of it. It's almost like they're not compatible with each other. Yeah. But you'll always get people who will be sniffy towards computer games because, as Stu said, they're seen as a childish endeavour. But they're anything but when you look at the depth of some of the stories that get told in computer games now. I think the only way to for me to have a, a real success in terms of a content... Now, what we have to distinguish the difference between is a financial success of a film and then a critical success of a film. We might think that these films are shit, but actually they might do fantastic mm. numbers and therefore they are successful and they'll continue to get made. What we want as gamers is a almost as a film being an additional DLC quest to something that we already mm. enjoy. We don't need introductions to characters. We don't need this. We don't need that. We just want an extension of what we already enjoy, but we're never going to get that in a film. Yeah, I think that's, this... that's not what that's not what films are. They are an introduction to other people, fresh new faces to this product, not an extension of what we already like. And that's why the films aren't as good, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's my major problem with the Last of Us series as well. I mean... Making that into a series on HBO and spending shitloads on it. Again, like we've said, TV companies spending big bucks on big licenses and big projects, but if they'd have made The Last of Us based on, I don't know, like the Ish Diaries, if you, you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there's, no. there's like, um, the, there's this character called Ish who's not, he's never seen. It's just like, um, it's like collectibles, collectible pieces of paper. Throughout the game, telling you like the story and things like that, mm. but you never see him. So they could have done it on that. But obviously, The Last of Us is Joel and Ellie, and that's what they're going to do. And they're going to retell a whole uh, 20, 20 hour game in a 10 part series. But mm. it's a story that we all know. People who've loved that game anyway, who've played that game, know the story already. So it's kind of, it is like what you said, Matt, it's treading on old ground. But. Mm. That's the only way you're going to get people into it, and that's what the only way you're going to get it financed. But the only other way is embrace the childishness, and the the actual film that nearly got on my top top five list was Sonic because that was class. Mm, true, true. Uh, right, let's do some quick fire ones then. I'll I'll go individually so we can go we can get through all of them. Uh, Tom Keeney wants to know um, if you could turn one film into a series, expanding on the plot points, more character development, etc. What would you choose, Andy Gillard? Ooh, um, I don't know if this is just because we've recently watched it, but how good would an expanded version of Raising Arizona be? <laughs> you could actually look and have a a series about the criminals. You could have a series mm, yeah. about the the family who um who had the children and then finding them, like them dealing with babies being kidnapped and dealing with all of that stuff. You could just specifically go in on HI. Like I think there's a lot of scope there because those characters were all interesting, and I want to know more about all of them. So I, yeah. I think that would no, be that's... an excellent shout. Absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Right. Ash Dolan wants to know, direct this one at Stu, who is your, or what is your favourite cameo featuring a sportsman? Caveat that they can't have gone on to be an actor, so no Dwayne or Vinny on the juggernaut, bitch, Jones. <laughs> the, uh, his personal use has to be Iron Mike Tyson in The Hangover, singing Phil Collins was superb. Yeah, it's it favourite sportsman cameo, Stu? There's a, it's not really a cameo because he's in it more, but there's a, a Scottish film that we, we have to do for Filmcast eventually that stars Ali McCoist. 
Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 not really a cameo because he has got a few lines and he's like integral to the plot and he's playing like a washed up, the old washed up player thing. But it's Ali McCoist acting. <laughs> and <laughs> what's he called? I should have looked this up before, shouldn't I? But yeah, we um we absolutely need to do that because it's it's just. It's one of them things that you you think up on a on a Friday night in the pub well, when we had pubs. Um, that what... back when I used to shove coal, I used, <laughs> used to haul the eight stone bags around and I'd go and have a pint of bitter afterwards. Sorry, yeah, Alan, Alan McCoy is not on IMDb <laughs> by the looks of it. Well, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that it wasn't Alan Shearer in goal. To be honest, <laughs> that's appalling. That one is. So the first film that came to my mind was Ace Ventura, mm. with Dan Marino being oh, in it. Yeah. I, I loved Ace Ventura. I, like, I, I do like Jim Carrey anyway, but yeah, seeing that question, the first thing uh, that I thought, yeah. Okay, Say hello I'll... to Mr. Kanish, and he pulls <laughs> his chest down. I got out of that. It's, it's from, two, from 2000, this, is, this film, and it features Michael Keaton, <laughs> Robert Duvall, and Ali McCoist. It's called a shot at glory. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> right. I'm add that one to the list. Yeah. David <laughs> Evans wants to know um, uh, from a daft question fame what are the most underrated villain movie slash TV performances? He's a big fan of David Tennant's role as Kilgrave in Jessica Jones, basically a psychotic version of the Doctor Who character. It's a favourite uh, underrated villain from a movie or TV and the performance of the actor that played them. The first half of that tweet, I thought David Tennant in Jessica Jones, <laughs> and then he's just gone and said it. Um, that's a good question, that is, because especially in the comic book world, we get glimpses of some decent villains who mm-hmm. then just get killed off and they don't get the. Uh, we don't get to see enough of them afterwards. Well, it's see. funny because mine is, is of the similar universe. I don't want to take your thunder, Stu. You know, you're not about to say this. Well, Vincent. The, uh, Don Frio as Kingpin in Daredevil, I thought was sensational. Ah, yeah. Really enjoyed his performance in Daredevil as the, as the, as um, as Kingpin. I thought he was excellent. The way he was so su- such a brute, but he was so softly spoken and and and, and like threatening without ever raising his voice. And then when he did raise his voice, it meant that bit much more. I thought he was excellent in that. Mm. Yeah, that that was. I love that series as well. Should never that that one should have survived, but now mine was um, Hugo Weaving as Red Skull. He was class. He was he was that good that they brought him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like he's a proper actor, isn't he, Hugo Weaving? And I don't think they used him enough. Like no. he could have been, he could have been like Thanos level. He could have been something you could build a whole phase around. I think very very good. We have one final, perhaps the most intelligent of the questions and the most um you know the critics will talk about this when they review our podcast in 50 years <laughs> tara from the bluest star who is our newest friend in in the killing podcast wants to simply know how many marshmallows can you fit in your mouth so you know, are we talking like mini or no i want those big ones that you put on the end you know, like that you burn on a on a fire at a bonfire okay like the classic size. The classic okay. size, yeah. You know, we're not messing around here with no mini, mini marshmallows. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna. So at first, I thought she meant marshmallows. You know, they're like the, the soft, like the, the chewy toy, the chewy sweet things. But then I thought to me, I don't think I've ever had a marshmallow in my life. What? You've never had a marshmallow? 
I don't think so. Because when you say about oh, marshmallows around the campfire, and, and I, I've never had, a, I've never been to a campfire. I don't want to go camping. It's outside, so I, I, I don't think I've ever had a marshmallow. Oh my god! So when we start the YouTube channel for this podcast, that'll be <laughs> that can be the intro video. <laughs> we'll do we'll do like a live one from outside. We'll go camping and we'll do a question cast camping. And we'll get stupid and marshmallows. <laughs> I mean, it, oh. I, might, I might have done as a kid. I mean, and I, it was so horrific that I've blocked it out. And maybe that's why maybe I nearly choked and I had too many in my mouth. But I mean, at a guess, I'd probably, they're not like similar kind of size to sausage rolls, are they? So I could probably <laughs> easily get six or seven sausage rolls in my mouth. Now we're talking Stu's currency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like how Stu measures things in sausage rolls. <laughs> yes, no, not everything. Well, depends depends if you're talking about Greg's. Then we're talking. Mm. Yeah, okay. Andy. Any advance on that? What's that game? It used to be on the national lottery where you had to like commit to answering more, giving more questions than the next. Oh person. yeah. Can you commit to any more than six or seven marshmallows? I, I reckon. I reckon. Right. I reckon you can get what four, six. Double it up to twelve. I reckon you could probably get about eighteen. Because they're they're squidgy as well, aren't they? Eighteen. Yeah, I <laughs> reckon my, you could get about eighteen. Eighteen. Mm. <laughs> oh my god! I don't. I don't. Yes, yeah. I don't think that's physically possible. Well, it won't make for good podcasting. But next episode, I think we'll <laughs> we might get, we'll try, get it back. <laughs> to. Well, listen, guys. Thank you again for your questions. As always, some really really good ones there. Get them through on the Twitter. So keep your notifications open is the most important thing on Twitter, that you'll get notifications when we tweet. And um, you never know, your question might get answered. You could be an actual fighting-based Twitter account and mistaking us for something else. Yes, that's what we had today. The first time, actually. I can't believe it took this long. But um, yeah, six months. But because we're all, I expected that to be regular. Because we're all friends, we retweeted them back because we're nice like that. Mm. Yeah, so we'll move on to the questions. First question, what have we been watching? Stuart, would you like to start us off? Well, after um, after Matt's enthusiastic uh, shout for what he, his things of 20, 2020, being the boys, I thought, well, I can't, I can't sit on this any longer, so I'll watch the whole thing in the space of probably two weeks. We've got one, one a day. And after the first 10 minutes, I thought, this has been a massive mistake. Uh, I should have watched this at the time last year. Um, so I just played through that, forced myself to only spend an hour, hour and 10 minutes, whichever, however long the episode were, which I like that because it's, oh, well, we'll do what the fuck we want. We'll tell our stories in the time that we want, So, which should be the same for everything, really, not cram it into 45 minutes, but it was superb. As you'd expect, and you mm. can't really say anything about it other than that. But other than that, there is my uh, first actual proper Xbox game, which is almost like watching a film, called Tell Me Why. Tell me why. Exactly. <laughs> um, which is uh, like an, a Telltale style, like Walking Dead kind of adventure mm. game where you play a transsexual boy who killed his mom because she couldn't handle him transitioning, which is a nice, happy subject to start 2021 with. <laughs> um, but it's, it's in three parts, so nine hours in total. 
but it's really, really well done. And it, it comes up with a disclaimer at the start saying, um, pretty much saying, yeah, we've spoken to transgender people and, and the queer community and all this kind of thing. They fully endorse this game and it, its sensitivities res- respected within. Mm. So I thought, well, that's a nice touch. So you're not automatically outraged straight away that they've actually got put a bit of thought into it. But yeah, I, I've I've played the first two of three and it's great. Really, really good. It's the kind of thing you'd expect on like a PlayStation indie, but it's Xbox mm. exclusive, amazingly. So mm. by the pe- by the people who made um oh, it's completely gone from my mind. It's it's made by Don't Nod anyway. So it's um but yeah. If you, it's on Game Pass, so you can get it if you want a I'm Game Pass Game Pass subscription and you could play it on your phone. It's I remember be, when um, I remember the the not raw really because it's nothing to be offended about. But when Mafia Mafia Three came out, easy for me to say, Mafia Three came out not that yeah. long ago. There was a disclaimer at the start of the game saying we haven't sanitized this game and, and removed like the language and the themes that are in it. But this isn't representative of what is acceptable in the twenty first century. And I thought that was a good touch, really saying we listen. We, we're gonna we're not gonna in, insult the the player by not. You know, by taking mm. out like homophobia and racism and stuff like that, but it's not on, and we are telling you this. And I thought that was, a, I think, you know, that's a good. It was a good touch, to be fair. Is that the one where he's? Is that the one with the um, the the black guy coming back mm-hmm. from Vietnam? I think so. I think so. There's there's like racial. There's there's a strong racial undertones in the film. Put it that yeah, way. Yeah, in, in yeah, game, yeah. Sorry, put it that way. Yeah, it absolutely is then. Mm. Oh, okay. Matt, what have you been watching? So, um I well I'm gonna start with what I am gonna be watching going forward because I've I've been suckered in by Facebook videos and I'm gonna start Derry Girls. Um E four. It just looks like my kind of humour to be fair. I don't know why I haven't watched it already. Um I have been watching or I had watched um after uh, sad news about um Professional rest in professional wrestling, or Luke Harper, or um, the Exalted One from AEW passing away. I watched um, the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, have you seen that documentary? Good documentary. Really, really yeah. good. To be fair, um, really, really good. It's um, very bittersweet, very sad because in pro wrestling, these are larger than life characters that you almost don't want to see behind the curtain what they're really like mm. because you don't want that image of them to ever be tainted. Um, but it is. It's not a rags to riches story or anything like that, but it, you know it does show the importance of like camaraderie and solidarity with, with your fellow man, and like people's kindness can really help people. Um, and it's, it, it was, I say bittersweet because very recently Jake Snake Roberts had tweeted out um, uh, like something like, "I'm in a hotel room on my own. I really just need people to speak to right now." Like he's on the road with AEW and stuff like that. He can't drink and stuff like that when they're when everybody might be out partying and things like that. So it just makes you think like. He's still struggling with his demons quite a bit, but the documentary itself is fantastic. I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it. Um, and I've finally, after bowing to peer pressure after so long, started The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. I thought he was going to um, say Hamilton then. No, not Hamilton. No, no, <laughs> The Mandalorian. I'm only um, three episodes in because I'm watching it um, with Sam, who she, she does this classic thing, right? I'm just share this, <laughs> share this between the group, just between me, us, us three on here. Yeah, I'll yeah. put something on. I'll say, listen, I want to watch something. I'll, I'll have it on in the room and I'll put it on and she'll start on her phone. Yeah. And then it will carry on and then she'll put the phone and she'll carry on watching. And I could tell she enjoyed it. And then by the end I go, should we carry on watching this? And she'll go, if you want, 
you can watch it if you want. I, I might, I might not watch it. I'll put it on. Oh, hold on. What's going on? It's just one of those. So she likes it. I like it. So we're going to carry on with it. I mean, it's great. I think it's fucking phenomenal. But I'm doing the the good husbandly thing, and I'll watch it. I'll watch it with her in time. You are doing well there. <clears throat> so I've been watching. There's a new series of Mark Kermode's Secrets of Cinema, which has started this week on BBC Four. Uh, and they each episode, they just go through a different genre within cinema, break it down, talk about the conventions of it. This week, they were discussing British comedy. Really good, really well done. Talks a lot about the Ealing comedies back in the day. Then goes through some of the bawdy stuff, like the confessions of a window cleaner and that kind oh, of yes. stuff. So it's got a bit of everything from like quite the old stuff to the more modern. It's it's a really good series anyway, so I'd implore people can, to watch can it. Can I interrupt you, Andy, for one second? How, mm. how much of uh, how much content is there in this series? Because I'll, I'll probably go back and watch this. Is there a, is there quite a decent backlog of the episodes? There are three episodes a season, and this is the third season. Oh, nice. So, so it's decent like chunks. Seven yeah, yeah. episodes. Oh, class. Yeah. Well, I'll it's, get on that. It's really good. Most of them are available on the iPlayer. I think mm-hmm. there's only one special which isn't for some reason. So I, I think there's two seasons, two specials available, and one episode of the new season so far. Do they? But yeah, do, it's top. Do they talk to Randy Robin Ask with himself? No, no, he's not on it. It's just Mark Kermode talking about genre cinema. That is, yeah, he's brilliant. That is again, Todd, for you. If that it would even translate at all anywhere else other than England, I, I don't think it even translates to modern England. <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest, like it's proper, unique to its time. I think that sort of humour. Is this this? Confessions. Sex, sex film that you were talking about a few months ago. It was like some kind of like sex comedy, but it was like really yeah, the sex... con- yeah, the confessions films. There's loads of them. Like yeah, Windy Cleaner, Windy Cleaner, um, Driving Instructor. They're, they're the two that come to mind straight away. But it's like it's like Carry On, but a bit more, a bit more, a bit more, cha- a bit more Channel Five. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I don't think you actually see anything. I think it's mostly implied stuff. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's like really. I've never really seen one all the way through, but yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> when you're like when you're like twelve and you say, oh, when you try and sneak a sneak a, a magazine in the bushes and that kind of thing, and you say, oh, confessions <laughs> film. Oh, they're funny. They are. And you think, oh, this is that this is prime time, and you might you probably do see seventies boobs. More than likely, but I think that's that's about it. You don't see anything else. I've got mm-hmm. a great question for um, question cast after dark when we eventually <laughs> go on Patreon. <laughs> uh, I've also been watching Peep Show. I went through that over the Christmas period. Matt, I know you're a massive yes! fan. Yes, Stu, yes, have I you am. ever seen Peep Show? Yeah, yeah. I watched it. I watched it okay. when it was on years ago. Thing. I'm mm. not like massive, massive fan. I'll, I'll watch it and it's. I'll laugh at it, but I'm not. I can't go back and quote things and find specific scenes. It's been too long. Okay. Yeah. I I strongly think that like if if this podcast hadn't landed in the lap, it would. I'd be doing a peep show one now. That's so much <laughs> about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Tomb Raider yesterday. Um, it's all right. The 2018 version. Yeah, I thought it was all right. Uh, I watched Soul, the new animated show, um, 
film on Disney Plus. That is that's one of the most beautiful films I have ever seen. Like visually beautiful, the artwork in it is fantastic. The story's top notch as well. I, I recommend you to watch that. And I also watched Wonder Woman at nineteen eighty four. Oh, well, what's that? Um, I I don't quite get what the big deal is with all the criticism. It was okay. Like it, it wasn't Seriously. great. It, it wasn't terrible. It was okay. I, just, I don't know. I think that that says it all that I watched it and had forgot all about it straight away. And considering how much <laughs> we how much we both loved the first one, mm. I think that's probably what the problem was. That it was just having it on that kind of starting pedestal of the first one, and then it being just a shambles from about halfway through, and kind of it just it seemed unfinished. I, I, I couldn't really put my finger on it because it wasn't it wasn't bad bad, but it was just not. It was almost like the if the first one hadn't happened and this was just oh it's a DC film so it's gonna be all right like mm. a lot of them are then maybe it would have been better but I think it was just disappointment that it wasn't as good as the first. I thought some of the the wire tricks that they did so like when she's jumping about they looked a little bit ropey. Um, but it's a different film to the first one. It, it's almost a different genre, whereas the first one was quite earnest. This was quite bombastic. But it was set in the 80s, so I sort of expect it to be that more over-the-top and colourful. Mm. Uh, I thought Pedro Pascal was great, but <laughs> I think he's great. He's great in everything, isn't he? So uh, My only real criticism, it's about 30 minutes too long. Like two and a half hours, it's, it's too long for any film, really. So mm. that, that's my only real... It's, fu- it's funny because I I call that the Django Unchained effect. Mm. I thought that about Django Unchained. It was half an hour too long. If it were, if it, if it was cut by 20, 20, 25 minutes, it would have been took to that next level, that top tier level. But it was just that slightly went over for me. Mm. It's funny how sometimes by giving us more, they actually take away from what makes mm. something good. I mean, they do say brevity is the soul of wit. There is a reason that things have to be concise and to the point, I think. Yeah, like Valley Girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like Valley Girl. (laughs) So, Matt, your question is up next. So it's a very very simple and quick one um, here. So... Traditionally, if uh, this is a as I'm looking at my popcorn machine in the garage that I have, fresh popcorn machine, mm. um, popcorn is very close to my heart. And traditionally, the two and your flavors, and and yeah, traditionally the two <laughs> flavors uh, that are accepted in the cinema are sweet and salted. They may ask if you want butter with it. I think in America maybe, but if you could introduce a third flavor to the standards and practices of popcorn in the cinema. What would you like to have as a third flavour of popcorn stew? Curry, of course. Curry yeah. flavoured popcorn. Oh man, that would be nice. That would be nice. To be fair, I yeah. can see. I can. Well, I can... If you think of like chili peanuts and stuff, and like Bombay mix and things like, mm-hmm. and then it's almost like. I mean, you could try it with. I mean, have you tried curried prawn crackers before? No. It's obviously a different kind of because you're in Chinese, but rather than Indian, but Indian curry popcorn, incredible. Mm. I can see, I can, and you know what? As well, that they would, you'd almost have to buy a drink with it as well. Exactly, thinking, mm. thinking ahead. You know what I mean? A co- like a, a cobra or a tiger with it. Oh yeah, yeah. Here we go. See, we we on this podcast are going to revitalize the cinema industry <laughs> alone. <laughs> Andy, what would what would your it's choice not... be? 
So I've gone for more of a uh, dining experience. So I've gone for a, a main course and a dessert. Well there. So I think, yeah, we, we, I've got two new flavours that I think would be pucker. I don't think you can have anything wet. So I don't think you can go for like caramel or chocolate with it. I, I don't think that would work. Plus, because you'd hear people licking their fingers after eating it. <laughs> and I'd, I'd have to kill someone. Like it would, I'd, I'd, yeah, no. So my sweet option, I love some dried apple. So I want some dried apple chunks and sweet sugar cinnamon. Okay, that's okay. I can I can yeah, live with that. I think that'd be lovely. But for the the main, so for my uh, my savoury, I want to. I'm thinking specifically of showcasing Dudley here. I would walk <laughs> over to Pizza Hut, grab as much of the bacon bits as I can. Oh, now we're talking. Bank them in some smoked paprika on there as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's mine. I like that. I think that's. I think they're both. Both gone like very similar routes, really. Um, mine is a little le- now. This my love of popcorn is to the point where I have a popcorn recipe book, which is like <laughs> you you nice. c- you cook things, then you make popcorn, and then you mix the two together to make like flavour your popcorn, but like in a in a ridiculously over the top way. So by that, I want to go for some kind of. It wouldn't be wet. Like they'd have to make a seasoning out of it. But I want I want pesto and parmesan. I want an Italian. I want an mm. Italian style. Maybe a bit of sun-dried tomato paste in there as well. Uh, I want some kind of like rich, pesto-y, cheesy Italian, like almost like what you'd expect if uh, like as a pizza seasoning or, or pizza flavoring is what I want nice. on mine. And that's what I'd go for. Are we going? Are we going for Genovese pesto or the red stuff that I can't remember what that's called? I want. I want. I want green. I don't. I don't. Uh, mm. I don't do. Um, French, if that's what it is. <laughs> no, no, Italian. <laughs> I don't, um, I don't, um, no, I just want, uh, I want green. So I like, I really like red pesto, like as in sun dried tomato pesto, but I, mm. I think the green pesto with a little bit of parmesan and maybe some herbs and spices, as they call it across the States, that's what I want. Mm. Let's make it happen. That's the same good. Yeah. Excellent. It's like this has just like been five minutes of a bad episode of The Apprentice Eight where they have to do, reinvent <laughs> reinvent the food stuff. And it, well, should, you know what we should do? Actually, we'll put it out. We'll put it out as a poll. We'll put the three options on. Yeah, and we'll Rare see. Bundy. We'll see which Today. one wins after the episodes. Um, after the episode uh, comes out, we'll um, we'll do it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> vote, vote, vote pesto. Vote pesto. <laughs> So my question's next. And I want to know, what is the film you have watched the most in your lifetime? Matt? It, I, I toyed with Pulp Fiction at first because I have seen it a hell of a lot. Mm. And I remember, quick sidebar, going on a holiday to Newquay and being at a car boot sale and buying it on video. We've not seen it loads of times before then, but I was with one of my friends and he'd never seen it. And when we put it in, because, you know, you don't rewind. It's just, this is just, mm. you know, it's all, whatever scene it's on. And, of course, it's the fucking rape scene with a gimp. And it was like, <laughs> my friend was like, oh, it's one of these films, is it? I was like, no, it's not one of these films. Um, Zed's dead. And, and, and like, I, I'm not trying to say this for, like, comedic effect or, or anything, but I, I genuinely think the film I've seen the most 
He's been the ultimate disaster movie. <laughs> <laughs> because I love that film. Like it's 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 not challenging, it's not anything like that, but it's just it's just something that puts a smile on my face any time of day, any season, any week, any weather. And I and, and for that reason I I watch it loads. Like it's gotta be a triannual, triannual beaning, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's that's for the After Dial podcast as well. That's, yes, there's a question about what what what's your triannual beaning? Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I, I know it's I know it's silly, but I just love that film. So you know, it's like Peep Show. I watch I watch the entirety of Peep Show two three times a year at least. The Ultimate Bean movie is that the first one because they did two, didn't they? Yeah, they did Mr. Yeah, Bean's Holiday uh, when he went to and and that's not as bad as people okay. say. It's not fantastic, but. Um, yeah, Mr. B, the ultimate disaster movie is when he goes and um, wrecks Whistler's mother's painting. <laughs> I, I don't remember anything about it. It's been it's that the, long since I've seen it. That's the one with the Ronan Keating soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Picture of you. Okay, right, right. Okay, I remember the song. Stu, what have you seen more than anything else? I mean, the, the obvious answer to this would be Home Alone, but we can't keep doing Christmas. Not, not now. It's over. <laughs> it's, Next over ten, it's over. For ten, for ten months, anyway. Um, I went through a few of them, and the, the, more than likely, I mean, you, you watch a lot of things over and over again when you're a kid, don't you? So, probably technically, it's Power Rangers the movie. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but that's a, that's a silly answer. So, I mean... Realistically, it's probably RoboCop, the mm. the proper one. Okay, just because I, I love it so much. I mean, it was the the only one, the only like, adult video I well of that kind of adult video that I owned for a long time, and then I had it on DVD again. And I've ordered it when I thought about this question. I've ordered it on Blu-ray as well now. More than likely, in five years when it's Ultra HD Blu-ray, I'll order it again. But I very mm. rarely do that with films. But yeah, I, I must have watched it over and over and over again, and it's. Especially the uncut version when he gets all splattered in the uh, the foundry when, the, when he gets run over, the guy from ER, he, um, which is rarely shown in anything else apart from the extended version. But it's like you can never go back. So it, it's more than likely Robocop. Oh, okay. I will give um, a special mention to the Dean on this one, though, because when Independence Day came out, I'm pretty sure he watched it every day for a whole year. He's 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 definitely seen that. I mean, he can correct me on when this goes out, but he's absolutely seen that film five hundred times by now. Wow, (laughs) that's incredible. There's just no words for it. A friend of mine probably got close to that, and she was obsessed with um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, (laughs) of all films. Like, that was her favourite film. I haven't spoken to her about it for years, to be honest. But, yeah, there was a time she would watch that day after day. I'm like, it's, it's not even that good. But you do you, Bob. Whatever. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> quick question. Have you um, played Mortal Kombat 11 at all? I haven't played it since they were both put into it now. I was going to say, because, like, Robocop and Terminators and everything's in it now. I've watched, like, I keep seeing videos that pop up on my Facebook of, like, all the fatalities by Robocop and it just looks insane. Like ridiculous, but it just looks so much fun. Yeah, it was I think it, it I have played it somehow. I don't know where, but Goldie sent me the when as soon as that video was announced, he sent it to me about Robocop being in it. 
I thought, yes, this, this is what we, we've always we've longed for since the since the early nineties. But yeah, I've, isn't Ash from Evil Dead in that as well? Or he's there's, in one of the Mortal Kombat's, isn't he? There's loads of people in, in Eleven. Yeah, it's gone mad now. Like They've got oh, Ram, okay. Ram, Rambos in it now as well. <laughs> the fuck? Right, okay. <laughs> uh, so for me, like I was trying to think... Like When I think of my 30s, it's probably like Shaun of the Dead or Scott Pilgrim. But then looking back at my early 20s, it would have been like Chasing Amy or Clerks maybe. I watched those a lot. Chasing Amy was like my drunk film. Hmm. And I'd get back from blast off at half past two of a morning and I'd stick that on. But I think it's probably the film I've probably seen the most. And I saw this twice on the day it was released <coughs> is the South Park movie. <laughs> really yeah. Like I watch that two or three times a year easily. It's just, there's just something about it. It's so easy to sit there and watch every time the story's brilliant and it pulls you through. It's, satirical enough that you don't feel like you're just watching dumb cartoon shit. Like, I, I think it's a properly, properly good film. doesn't get the respect that it's due. You know what's interesting about that, actually? Because I watched Team America World Police for the first time in a long time, like about a couple of months back. And I almost mm. expected, because, you know, your taste change, your palate changes for what you enjoy. I almost expected to be embarrassed by it. Like, I, like I wouldn't enjoy it. And, like, I'm, I'm a bit, but fuck me, was it hilarious. Yeah, just just as entertaining grass. as the first time I saw it, and that's obviously the same people, isn't it? Um, so yeah, you must have the same kind of vibes, really, in that like you can go back to it now and really enjoy it why you enjoyed it the first time. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I still sit through basketball, which is what ninety six, <laughs> I think, and it, it's still exactly the same humour. They haven't changed, and it still strikes a chord with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm desperate to see Book of Mormon just to see if it's any. Well, you presume it will be so the same, good. and it's just one of them it things is. where it's fantastic. It's one of the best live experiences I've I've had. It's just immense. It was worth the like eighty odd quid I paid to get a ticket. It was brilliant. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll enjoy that if and when you get round to it. Show. Yeah, that's on the long list of actual live things to see. But... Well, frustratingly, it was supposed to be in Birmingham. Yeah, um, I know. Last last summer, and then obviously the world went to shit. So, Matt, hopefully, it'll still be there when it opens back up. Fingers crossed. Who knows? Yeah. So, I mean, talking about the world going to shit, it kind of ties in perfectly with my question. So, what? <laughs> and that's kind of where this idea came from, just because of lockdown three point again, and it could be till May, June, whatever. So. The perfect question would be for this time: What is your favourite post-apocalyptic movie, Matthew? I've got two because one is verging on the start of potential post-apocalyptic, and then one very much is. So my one that's verging on um, is Children of Men. Absolutely fucking love that film. It mm-hmm. is. It's so. Um, I'm going to say clever, but it it touches all the chords and is as relevant now as it ever was where the simmering underbelly of kind of right wing and uh, discrimination and and, and tension in a country probably like links closer to America than it does to ourselves at the minute. Um, Mixed then with a post-apocalyptic story or the very beginnings of the breakdown of a society I just think is 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 fantastic, and then there's the elements like the 
the terrorists, though they don't see themselves as terrorists, kind of vibe that goes on as well. And then the hope at the end of it and like and the twist at the end. And I think it's just a fantastic, fantastic film. Um and Clive Owen is he's he's sensational in it as well. And I, I don't say that very often. Yeah. I don't I, I think he's pretty one dimensional at times, personally. Um, but he's he, he's excellent in this. Really, really good. Um the second the second film Post-apocalyptic, yes, I guess, but again, I suppose it's at the start of the start of all this, really. In in twenty eight days later, um, a film that I had watched to death at university when I studied it, um, but I think doesn't get the um, doesn't get the credit it deserves for being this catalyst for the zombie craze that was like the 2010s and earlier you know this was before Shaun of the dead this was before um i'm sure it was before the dawn of the dead remake and it was it was before the walking dead it was before it was before everything really this is one of those films that kick-started and technically it's not even a zombie film like um danny boyle has said this isn't a zombie film it's a virus that spreads, but they are not zombies. Um, and I just think it's fantastic. It's tense. The music's fantastic. The the backdrops are sensational. That scene when Killian Murphy's walking across Tower Bridge. It is, no, it's not Tower Bridge. Is it Tower Bridge? It might be Tower Bridge. No, it's mm. the um, is it Westminster Bridge? Yes. Yeah. That 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 wasn't closed off. That was just London at that time <laughs> of the morning on a Sunday. And I just think that's sensational. It was that dirty and that rubbish. And this could just happen at any time. And I. <laughs> I just think that I think it was just a fantastic film, really well made. And then the sequel, mm-hmm. twenty eight weeks later, while it was a very different film and it tried to be a bit more of a more of a flat out horror action film, it was still still good, still serviceable, and was reviewed quite well as well. Um, and only last year, Danny Boyle has come out and said that they are in preliminary talks to do twenty eight months later as well. Um, so it's something to be excited about. Yeah, I mean, this was like. You know, very early. I think the rights to the film was stuck for a long time with a group of people that didn't talk to each other. So it was one of those deals. Like, but I mean, I think that I think there'd be an appetite there for it. Do you know what I mean? I think like twenty eight days later, it was one of those very very early film four projects. I think when like Channel yeah, Four were Channel been... Four were were committed to putting money into British film. It was two thousand and two released, which I've just looked at. I can't believe it's been. 19 years since that mm. film was out it doesn't feel like a film that is that old to be honest no you could watch like that say, it today still feels fresh you could watch that today and and apart from the advance in technology in terms of a visual that could be that could be set now mm. do you know what i mean it's it's that good it, it, and no matter the time period it doesn't really make a difference to the overall plot because it, it's just it's just a tremendously well executed film scary at times when it needs to be action when it needs to be good storytelling when it needs to be just brilliant brilliant film mm, okay um honorable mention for me obviously i've got to get the cornetto trilogy in there and it's the world's end great but film. i've been i've been back and forth on this i've got two films in mind i feel that i might be stealing Stu's thunder on one of them both of these films feature Emily Blunt as well. Uh, the first one is Edge of Tomorrow, and the second one is A Quiet Place. Like they're both sci-fi, but they're both very, very different sci-fi. 
So obviously, Edge of Tomorrow, that is all loud bangs. It's about a time loop story that goes haywire, starring Tom Cruise, so it's big budget. And the other is a much smaller, much more intimate story. And as you can tell from the name, there's no loud bangs in A Quiet Play. <laughs> so it was those two films. Really. I can't say which one I prefer because they're both so different and they're both brilliant for what they are. Um, and I've heard apparently they're going to be doing Edge of Tomorrow 2, possibly starting filming next year because Tom Cruise only does one film a year, doesn't he? Wouldn't it be great if they just played the film again in the cinemas? Because it's just one big loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be class. Didn't didn't they, wasn't wasn't there a different name for the Edge of Tomorrow? Didn't it? Wasn't released as something else? Yeah, like here or uh, live live repeat. Oh, was live, it? live die repeat. repeat. Die. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, which I thought was a terrible, terrible name. So mm. yeah, Edge of Tomorrow sounds a lot better. So that's the name I call it. Yeah, that's the, well, that original name is exactly why I didn't know Mochi because of my hatred of Ground Dog Day stuff. And it just completely put me off. And I know it's it's been added to the list because you I mean, you've talked about it before on here. But mm. yeah, I mean they, they were they were right to change the name for the uh, video release, and no one calls it the yeah. first, the original one anymore. I, I genuinely have no idea why they changed it for the British market. It's not like Edge of Tomorrow has got any links to anything else that not the spring to mind anyway. So no, it was it yeah, was that... cha- it was changed on release of the DVD. Because the, the name was so bad. It was released over here as that, as its original name. I'm sure it was. Unbelievable. But, Just, yeah, an odd one, that is. But yeah, a, qu- a Quiet Place was on my, my mentions with um, with its kind of inherent spiritual brother in uh, Bird Box as well, which is better mm. than much better than it should actually be. But yeah, absolutely. My, um, another one... Does it really count in Escape from New York? <laughs> Which is, it's kind of because it's a kind of end of the world ish, but now um, 12 monkeys for me. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. A virus that ravages the world so badly that you have to go back in, in time and change it all and stop it happening. Perfect for now. <laughs> and w- <laughs> one of the rare things as well where they turn it into a TV series that wasn't shit. Which, if you've. I haven't uh, seen the TV series, no. Yeah, it's it's very worth it. It's, it's really good. Let's say it's really good, but it's it's very it's serviceable telly um, for mm. one of them early kind of blockbuster TV moments. When I mean, it's it's got to be probably about ten years old at this point. But yeah, there was that. But my actual winner was Mad Max Fury Road. I love that film. Yeah, yeah, that it, is I, a great, I, great film. Do you want to know something, Stu? I took mine out because telepathically I knew it would be yours. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it kind of when the the original ones were fine, they were fun, but it just pisses all over them, all three of them together. So I love it. I, just, I mean, I've watched it in black and white. I've watched it cinema screen. I've watched it in HDR. I've watched it in every, every possible way and in the cinema as well. And I mean, if we were doing a film, the film you've watched the most in the last five years, that would be it because I love mm. it. It's just superb. Mm. It's one that. I've seen it and I love it, but it's not one I'm in a rush to revisit. Like I'm happy with the experience and I don't feel like I want to keep watching it and ruin it myself. It feels like it's one of those those special films that needs the time to breathe between watches. Yeah, that's like me and Logan, I suppose. Which again could have gone on here. And I've mm. only I've only seen that twice, just for that reason. But with Fury Road, every time I've watched it, I've seen something different in it. 
just because all the fucking chaos is going on all the time. And you're always looking, you, if you're trying to, even you focus away from just the main, the center of the screen, you look to the sides. And there's, there's shit going on all over the place. It's amazing. Mm. Um, the film that I thought was good, but it's, I suppose it's more pre apocalyptic than post. Um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, man. I thought I really, really enjoyed that. And that's sensational. Yeah, when I was doing the like looking to try and find my my pick, and I stumbled across that, and I thought, yeah, that that's a film that I don't think gets mentioned, and I think it's better than actual Cloverfield. I don't mm-hmm. I think Cloverfield was fine, and Cloverfield Paradox was not brilliant. But yeah, Ten Cloverfield Lane, really good film. You know the reasons why I really enjoyed Uncut Gems. That's how I feel about Ten Cloverfield Lane at parts. The te- it's mm. so tense towards its climax that it was almost like unwatchable because it was it but it had the, the edge of your seat as well. Really, really good for what is like they didn't have a lot to work with, did they? In Ten Cloverfield Lane at all? No. Um, you know they made they did a lot with what they the cards they were dealt, and, I don't, and obviously it's all intentional. Um, you know, no one no one forced them to work with a shitty script or anything. It's not like they made chicken. <laughs> Chicken salad, out of chicken shit. It was there, but it was it was fantastic. It was really really well done. Loved it. Yeah, I mean, obviously off the back of the first one, the first one did really well. They could quite easily have just gone on and made a blockbuster, big budget horror film, mm-hmm. and they didn't. They decided to make a film set in a guy's underground bunker, and that was literally the whole premise of the film: was them stuck in there. And obviously, I know we spoke last time when we were talking about um, raising Arizona like John Goodman, he is incredible. Like, you see him in films, and he's always the comedic guy. But in that, he was the exact opposite. Mm. He was the most menacing, like, genuinely terrifying dude. But you've always seen him with this big smile on his face, and it's like that, I don't know, it just didn't compute. And I think they played it to perfection. They worked really, really well with it. Yeah, it's funny because you, you, I think about how menacing and how terrifying he was, but I only watched uh, The Borrowers the other day. And like just how funny he is in The Borrowers <laughs> and like how excellent he is in The Borrowers as well. So I suppose, you know, is that, that's the got to be the mark of a fantastic actor, isn't it, really? Someone that can switch switch tacks so quickly. When you mm. um, when you just mentioned Underground Bunker, I just had a, re- a, a proper flashback to something I've... I, I, I'm sure I mentioned it to you at the time, five years ago. A little, a little indie film by Norman with Norman Reedus in it. Um, Norman Reedus and oh no, Jimon, you know what I mean. Jimon Hunsu. That's the one. That's the fella. Yeah, yeah. It's um, in the near future. Breathable air is non-existent, and two engineers tasked with guarding the last hope for mankind struggle to preserve their own lives while administering to the vital tasks at hand. Really, really, really cool indie film. And I suppose, I mean, I, I went, there's a, tw- a Twitter exchange with the director as well, because it was one of them, it's just called Air in 2015. Okay. When, was, when was that one? 2015. Okay. Yeah. It's only about an hour and a half, but it's, it's one of them where I watched it because of Norman Reedus, obviously. <laughs> and, but mm. it was one of them rare ones where I tweeted the director straight away and I said, I love this film. This was superb, really well done. I mean, it, it's, it's on a five, so it's very like divisive. You either love it or hate it kind of thing. But. Mm. It was for what it was. I, I really enjoyed it. Did either of you two see a film called Cargo? It was a, a Netflix exclusive. No, I know of it. I haven't, I haven't seen it. No, 
That was really good. It's starring Tim from The Office, Martin Friedman. Um, I've just got the synopsis here. After an epidemic spreads all over Australia, a father searches for someone willing to protect his daughter. So Martin Friedman plays a father and he has got a toddler and he's trying to find someone to look after this toddler because he has been infected by this zombie-esque disease. Hmm. that's taken over Australia. He befriends this young Aboriginal girl and he's trying to take her to safety and get his daughter to safety, all while his body is trying to battle against this disease within. It's it's only got a six and a half, but I thought it was a really, really interesting film. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really get much traction. And you'd think with having Tim from The Office in there, it would have been a little bit more popular especially in this country because everyone loves martin friedman never even heard of it but yeah cargo really interesting film loved Added. it mm. superb right so that's the questions out of the way this week we're going to be sticking with cage's comedic turns next week we're going to be watching 2003's matchstick men um, have either of you ever heard of this film before? Is this new to you as well? I've heard of it, but I've never never seen it. Um, interesting to see. I mean, doing a stew and and not having any like impact on not what knowing what he- with Nick Cage it could be absolutely fucking anything, couldn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> it really could be anything. So I'll Just do well looking not at to the look poster first. Yeah. Stu, did you know of this one? I know the song Magic Men, but that's it. I mean, the same thing when we looked at the poster and just burst out laughing. So hopefully that's not a sign of things to come where it's the, um, that's going to be the only fun thing about it. And again, I'm not going to research anything about it. We're just going to dive in. I might do it, might do it later, to be honest. It's like 20 past 10 at night. Why not? But yeah, why not? The few- now, um, it, it looks interesting. Obviously, it's Nick Cage and Sam Rockwell, and I, I do like Sam Rockwell. I think he's a very, very interesting actor. And it's directed by Ridley Scott, who, I mean, what, what can you say about Ridley Scott that hasn't already been said? Uh, it is a film about a phobic con artist and his protege. They're on the verge of pulling off a lucrative swindle when the former's teenage daughter arrives unexpectedly. That's the synopsis. Doesn't tell you a lot. I'm genuinely looking forward to this just from the names who are in this film alone. So that's going to be next week. Fingers crossed it'll be um, it'll be closer to Raising Arizona and not Trapped in Paradise. So thank you very much for joining us once again for this week's question cast. <clears throat> if you can make sure that you've got us followed on the Twitter, we're at CageFightingPod. Uh, if you can also drop any emails, if you've seen Matchstick Men and you want to tell us what we need to look out for or what you think's good, get us on on the emails and that is cagefightingpod at gmail.com. Make sure you've got us subscribed on your podcatcher and a five star review is mandatory, I've decided. <laughs> so for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye, guys. Please, uh, we don't do a rallying call very often, but if you can tell your friends, get them listening, help us grow this year, that would be fantastic. And we can pump out as much content as we can for you guys and, and try and like explore other avenues if the appetite's there. So, yep, stay safe, everybody. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Be well, kids. ta It's goodbye from me as well. And remember, be excellent to each other.